You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We interrupt this off-season coverage of comparing the Dallas Cowboys to microwave popcorn to bring you the latest on Kellen Moore being dismissed as the Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator. So we'll just go ahead and get rid of those show notes. What do you make of this, Sean Martin, my co-host here on the Hidden Yardage podcast? I'm Mark Lane. But what do you make of this? Kellen Moore and the Cowboys mutually decide to go in different directions a week after the Cowboys lose to the 49ers in the NFC Divisional game. Hey, Mark, it's always great to be back with you. And, you know, my first reaction to this was I was kind of like surprised by my own response to this news because, you know, if you follow this show in my writing at bloggingtheboys.com, it's not like I've been the biggest, you know, praiser of Kellen Moore. We've certainly had our, ch- our times to be critical of him, and he's given us, you know, plenty of reasons to be critical of, you know, how this team plays offense, specifically in the biggest moments. We know about kind of, you know, the empty yards and the point totals and games against lopsided teams and, you know, those types of things. So I'm sure what Mike McCarthy and Kel Moore ended up discussing when it came to them agreeing to part ways. But even being critical of him, you know, it's still an uneasy feeling knowing that, you know, he's not going to be here. And there is a bit of a safety net to his offense that you now lose. I mean, Dak Prescott is an efficient quarterback in Kellen Moore's offense, um, you know, CDLM emerged as a wide receiver one in Kellen Moore's offense. So, yeah, there is a bit of a safety net as far as how this team is built and what they were able to accomplish under Moore that we, we don't know if it's going to get any better under McCarthy. You know, of course, that's the hope. Of course, whatever direction they were going to go at OC, you would hope it would get better than Kellen Moore. And so that's what they're now aiming to do. But, you know, none of that is guaranteed. And so certainly they could have been in a decent place if they kept Kellen Moore, but they, you know, they, they're trying to do anything possible in McCarthy's words to go take that next step. And he feels like the next step in his progression as head coach to Dallas Cowboys to be a play caller again. So that was the news for in the middle of a pretty boring uh, NFC championship game. Yeah, it, uh, it, it was, <laughs> they really buried it. Um, Cause on Thursday, uh, the 26th, Mike McCarthy met, they had the post-mortem, you know, where you get to take a look at the body of the 2022 Dallas Cowboys and identify it. And they asked him questions about Kellen Moore and he was asked three separate times. And each time he basically said, we're still evaluating, we're evaluating. And the evaluation obviously continued through the weekend. And then, yeah, like you said, "Eh, let's just go ahead and, make the announcement uh, with the kickoff to the AFC championship game. And, you know, there we go. That's how um, it's interesting how the Cowboys can take over just a little bit of the NFL news cycle. 
even when there's games going on. I mean, we've seen it happen in the lead up to the Super Bowl as well, that uh, whatever drama surrounds the Cowboys, that just kind of cuts into uh, whatever's going on across the rest of the NFL. So, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of expected in that way. I'm sure Nick Sirianni and the Eagles would want it this way and they're going to embrace the whole underdog role against the Chiefs and it's going to be really annoying and all that is great. But, you know, on the day that the division rival Eagles clinch a trip to the Super Bowl for the second time and, you know, the same stretch that the Cowboys haven't even made the NFC Championship game, we're still here talking about, you know, the Cowboys being the biggest headline outside of the two teams that, you know, punch their tickets to the Super Bowl in Philadelphia and Kansas City. Yeah, and that that is kind of funny. That, uh, as you mentioned, Philadelphia, this is supposed to be their day, but in some measure, the Cowboys are stealing a little bit of the headlines. Be sure to follow the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And what I really want to... By the way, are we allowed to throw shade at a building? Because the Empire State Building changed its colors tonight to green and white for the Eagles. And, I mean, that is multiple layers of just messed up and confusing, right? Because first of all, the Jets and the Giants are the teams that the Empire State Building should claim, being New York teams. But they don't even play in New York. They play in my home state of New Jersey. And then Philadelphia is in a, you know, a city entirely different. So I don't understand what this whole, oh, New Yorkers want to look up at the Empire State Building and see Eagles colors and be proud about that. That was one of the more confusing things I've ever seen. Yeah, and hopefully... Same, same on the Empire State. Yeah, and hopefully R.J. Ochoa and uh, Brandon Lee Gowton get that sorted out Wednesday on the NFC East mixtape, which you can hear right here on this network. But how much of this, and not just the Empire State Building, but how much of this is Kellen Moore's fault, though, with the just the, I'd call it, missed expectations underachieving that's gone on in January in the Mike McCarthy era. I think a good amount of it is on Kellen Moore's shoulders, but, you know, he would have an argument and he'll have to go, you know, make his case to, you know, other teams that are going to bring him in and still consider him as, if not a head coach and an OC or a quarterback coach, something along the way, you know, he sort of does seem to still have a future in this sport as a coach. So, you know, it's something he'll have to answer to in terms of now, being away from the Cowboys organization, how much did they kind of hold him back? You know, the narrative shifted so much throughout Kellen Moore's tenure as OC. When he signed on, it was, oh, we're kind of paying in advance to get ahead of this trend of these young, innovative play callers. You know, we're going to pay our alarms at the beginning because he's inexperienced, but eventually we'll have our next, you know, Saul McVay or something along those lines. But, you know, it doesn't just work like that. You know, McVay, you've mentioned it plenty of times, comes from, you know, a Sanahan-type coaching tree where there was some history to say that he was going to be able to be that type of offensive coach. Kellen Moore comes from, you know, the Scott Lenahan's of the world and the types of coaches that have been around here in Dallas for a while. So, you, you know, you're a product of what you're around and what you become. And so, you know, that that became Kellen Moore's offense because that's who the Cowboys kept around him and who he learned from. And the personnel he had to coach was, you know, drafted very specifically to fit into that. So, I would think another team is going to be pretty excited, you know, if Kellen Moore can articulate that and say, you know, hey, here's kind of some of the things that we wanted to do on offense that didn't just quite fit in Dallas, but that I could bring to a new team. And, you know, so we're wishing him all the best when he goes on to do that. 
of course, uh, unless he's playing against the Cowboys. But if that is an internal Cowboys issue, is it going to get any better under Mike McCarthy? That's, I think, the biggest thing we need to talk about this offseason in terms of him as a play caller, good or bad. You know, you can kind of take it or leave it because he has, you know, plenty of personnel to be successful. If Kellen Moore did it, he can do it. I truly believe that. But is it going to be a similar type of offense? Is it going to look any different with him? And is it going to, if it does look different, is it going to be for the better, of course? Yeah, and just to compare it a little bit to uh, Sean McVay, as you mentioned, uh, the thing with McVay was he had some a variety in his coaching background, whereas with Kellen Moore, just talking about as a coach, okay, I know that in 20. 20- 14 when he was still with the Lions and Linehan was in his first year in Dallas he played with Jim Caldwell and Jim Bob Cooter with the Lions but you still had you know just as a coaching experience it was all Scott Linehan and and when he you know transitioned became quarterback coach in 2018 and Jason Garrett and that's pretty much been it. And he was allowed to do his own thing and kind of graft it, meld it a little bit. With Mike McCarthy, starting in 2020. But with McVeigh, he started out on John Gruden's staff with the Buccaneers in 08. Then, you know, he does the UFL thing. But when he comes back to the NFL from 2010 to 2013, he's working under... Mike Shanahan, then Jay Gruden gets hired as the offensive coordinator, I mean, as a head coach for Washington in 2014. So you kind of go back to the old Gruden ways a little bit. And and then McVay's hired as coach of the Rams in 2017. But he had some variety, whereas with Kellen, it's just been this one thing the whole time. That was one of the biggest criticisms of the Jason Garrett era was, you know, of Garrett specifically was that he never really built a coaching tree, right? He didn't have, you know, the same kind of remarks about him around the league. You know, you can look around the league and kind of just get a feel for how other teams feel about you. And the Cowboys are very much seen as, you know, it's a fair criticism of him right now that they tend to view their own players and coaches in a higher light than you know, certainly the fans do most of the time, but also just the rest of the league, like I'm saying. So, you know, Jason Garrett never really built in that coaching tree, but yet had all the time in the world to be the head coach here that reflected poorly at times. And so, you know, Kellen Moore is that opportunity to go somewhere else and go prove the Cowboys right that they did have this innovative play calling type of coach. But, you know, they believe in Mike McCarthy, who I found a quote from him, you know, back when he gave up play calling duties and 2015 of the Packers and it was a brief stint where he wasn't calling plays and he said he would never go do that again so you know it's something you felt strongly about as far as being a play calling head coach coming to Dallas but yet the Cowboys were firm in their ways that Kellen Moore was still the answer and that any head coach coming in was going to have to work with him and we knew that McCarthy became kind of a yes man when he first started and was going to be the guy who just said whatever to, uh, you know, keep be in good standing with the Joneses and take this job. And now that's been loosened up a bit because, you know, the condition that Moore has to be the guy is certainly no longer. Moore's not even here anymore. And McCarthy has had other influences on the roster and hopefully it carries over in the free agency and the types of players he now needs to fit his offense to, you know, continue to be the head coach that 
in his words, Jerry Jones told him that he wants him to be here as, a, as long as Tom Landry. So that's going to take a bit of a roster building and certainly a big step up in offensive play calling if they're going to achieve that so he can be as, as successful, if even close to, as Tom Landry. Yeah, I don't even know if humanity is going to be around by then, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I guess we'll all be watching the NFL and our meta goggles by then. Yeah, the Empire State Building might, you know, fall over from being Eagles colored before then. Oh, my goodness. Um, but you do raise an interesting point about Mike McCarthy and the play calling, which, by the way, that did not end for Green Bay with, um, you know, like the ending of a Walt Disney cartoon where all the animals are singing and happy afterward. It ended with them getting fired after losing to the Arizona Cardinals in week 13 of 2018. It only ended with them having one appearance in an NFC championship game. And that was obviously 2016 when they beat Dallas. But Mike McCarthy is a play caller. If you go back and look at Twitter, which everybody can do, if you search Mike McCarthy, play calling, play caller, fire, whatever, and you set the t- the range of about the 2016 season, you got Packers fans just wanting to can him completely. Mm. And, and remember, this was also the beef that Aaron Rodgers had with Mike McCarthy as well. So I, I don't know. Uh, this is kind of a dubious proposition to have Mike McCarthy is play caller again. One of the more promising things that Twitter has given us from Mike McCarthy's now, you know, the news of him taking over as play caller came from a good friend of the show, Mauricio Rodriguez, who I worked with way back doing Cowboys content. He's still making some awesome work out there. And he saved some of the early down pass rates of offenses in the league over McCarthy's time in Green Bay as their play caller. And Packers were pretty much first or second all throughout that time. So, you know, right up there with the Sean Payton, Drew Brees, New Orleans Saints. So, you know, that's something that we were probably most critical of Kellen Moore of was the early down runs and even some of the, you know, second down runs to set you up for third down. Whereas McCarthy might still have a similar approach as far as how he views third down. You know, I think the best offensive coaches try to avoid, you know, getting the third downs entirely. And that's really ideally how you do want to play. It's certainly what the two Super Bowl participants do with Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. If it is going to be third down, it's very manageable. But, you know, McCarthy has a different way of getting there. Whereas with Moore, it was, you know, sequencing of the run game and then having Prescott have to bail you out too many times. McCarthy, you know, you might see those early down passes, but it's high percentage and it gets you into a third down. But again, where you can throw another high percentage pass. And you know, I do think there'll be overall just a little bit less pressure on Dak Prescott. Of course, the pressure is still there because of how many turnovers he had this season and things like that need to come down. Um, McCarthy's offense is five times when he was the play caller in Green Bay, finished top five and at least in receptions thrown. So whether that's now in Rogers' stat or Mike McCarthy's stat, we're about to find out. But you know, I just think there'll be a different, a much more noticeable and a different approach to how they attack on early downs and how they kind of use early passing downs as an extension of the run game as opposed to only having the power run game to be, you know, your way to move the ball. Well, wait a minute. What was the interception stat? Aaron Rodgers was in the top five of least interceptions five times. Okay, Aaron Rodgers, not 
the Green Bay Packers. Well, well whoever the quarterback was. They, they okay, well, them. I was only asking because it is relevant to figure it out because you've got Brett Unley, who had played nine games when Aaron Rodgers had a broken collarbone in 2017. So if he's able to still have the Packers, you know, right there uh, with fewest interceptions with Brett Hundley under center, I mean, that actually does speak well to his offense. And the only really connective tissue that, you know, McCarthy had to some of his old staffs when he was comfortable as a play caller of the Packers was Joe Philbin, who took over for him when he was fired in Green Bay. And Philbin was part of the, you know, big purge that the Cowboys offense Offensive staff continued to have all the way up until, of course, Sunday afternoon with the top guy, Kellen Moore. So, yeah, no Joe Philbin to lean back on as offensive line coach also has some head coaching and play calling experience. So this really is going to be, for better or worse, you know, fully the Mike McCarthy show that the Cowboys are now committed to. Yeah, and so with it being the Mike McCarthy show, um, you know, I, I think you really have to start talking about whether this could spell the end for Dak Prescott. Here's what I mean by that. They have a potential out with his contract after the 2024 season when they'd only pay about, I think, $17 million as a dead money hit to their salary cap, and this would be when he's 32 years old. So if Prescott's just really losing it as a quarterback, and then you've also got McCarthy, who's not going to last as long as Tom Landry, then there's your potential out to hit the reset button and do a clean rebuild. And that's kind of what where I see this going is you may be looking at at just a chance to have another rebuild of sorts with you know taking with trimming down Mike McCarthy's staff the way it is and putting it all on his shoulders well I mentioned some of the you know contingencies that were in place when Mike McCarthy took the job here and how much that has changed and one thing that's certainly not time to change is, you know, the idea that Dak Prescott is still this team's franchise quarterback. I think this is going to be a landmark year for him because it's going to be very early in the year. You can figure out, you know, is he truly good enough to play in another offense or was he just a product of Kellen Moore and, you know, some of the simplicity that comes with his offense. And not saying that there won't be simplicity to McCarthy's West Coast influenced type of scheme. You know, Connor Livesay, who's part of our BTB team, was pretty much saying that, you know, the infamous photos that always circulate of the Cowboys running four curl routes and big moments of a game can be replaced by, you know, slant flat combos. And I, for me, I say, you know, and this is the offseason hype already setting in maybe, but hey, I'll take slant flats to a guy like CeeDee Lamb or T.Y. Hilton over, you know, curl routes that have been double covered for years now under Kellen Moore calling them up. And even before then, when it was Garrett or Linehan calling those same type of plays. So, you know, Ida Prescott's going to prove very early that he's good enough to overcome and learn a new system and the language and elevate and do those things, or it's going to be a matter of, you know, realizing in that same time frame that he's not as capable of that and he really just needed 
you know, what Kellen Moore brought to the team or what Garrett brought to the team and his ceiling isn't, you know, someone that can transcend, you know, different systems or overcome coaching changes like this. And, you know, so that would be something the Cowboys have to face. Um, like you said, at the same time, when they make that decision, they can make the same type of decision on McCarthy and have a clean type of rebuild from there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, because you're looking at uh, 2023. You know, I think McCarthy's going to get the whole season. And then I think 2024 is really when he's going to be on the hot seat. And then, like I said, after 2024, according to SpotRack, um, it, when you go into the 2025 offseason, this is presumably after you fired Mike McCarthy, um, you can get out of Dak Prescott's contract, uh, and it only costs you $21.8 million in dead money um, against the salary cap. So you can get a quarterback – uh, on a rookie deal and then rebuild the thing. And then here we go again with the circus. But that- in, in this alternate reality, you're building, who does the, who, who's Dan Quinn's top OC candidate? Uh, the Dan Quinn leaves after 2023. Cause he's like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I already passed up on all the jobs, but um, again, that is really just kind of a, um, I don't know if you'd even call it real politique. Because it is kind of a grim um, outlook on how the Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott uh, relationship wraps up. To me, that's just kind of the out that I see in that. I don't know. I'm really going to date myself here. But I don't know if you remember those books, those adventure books, where uh, if you make this decision, go to page 37. And if you make a decision based on that, go to page 15. I do, but I always hated those things for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, that's really what this is, is I see where, okay, here's how Dallas can go to a clean rebuild, get done with McCarthy, get done with Dak Prescott. There you go. Clean rebuild 2025. Um, but uh, I, I actually like the steps that they've taken under Mike McCarthy as a program in being able to sustain success from one year to the next and build upon it. That's something you weren't able to do under Jason Garrett. And, you know, that was with Garrett 
and then going to McCarthy, that's two straight head coaches where you're really asking yourself, especially on game day, it's like, hey, what do you really do here? And that's not a good place to be if you're head coach. I mean, we're two weeks away now from the Super Bowl where we clearly know, you know, the impact that those head coaches make on their teams. You know, Andy Reid is a Hall of Famer and one of the best there is and has Patrick Mahomes' offense is buzzing. And, you know, there's not enough good things you can say about, you know, the programs he's built and going for another ring in Kansas City. And then, of course, Nick Sirianni has, you know, kind of put a whole attitude over the Eagles and he's jumping up on stands. You know, you can like those things or not. I don't, I don't think most Cowboys fans appreciate it at all what Nick Sirianni does, but there's no arguing at all that it's worked very well for the way they've built a program that, you know, used free agency and was aggressive in the draft and built his finger around Jalen Hurts and immediately is in the Super Bowl. So, you don't want to be asking the opposite question of your head coach on game day if it's, or throughout the week of game prep of what they really, you know, bring to your organization. And now it's a clear answer with McCarthy. We know the play calling falls on him. All the criticism and Twitter comments and ITS and BTB comments everywhere across the, you know, Cowboys blogosphere. You can just control F Kellen Moore and insert Mike McCarthy because that's what he's going to be subject to now. And, you know, like I said, very early, we'll be able to see how it goes, I think. I don't think this is going to be, you know, an ongoing thing throughout the season where we're saying, oh, well, they can change on offense or they can adjust. You know, I think we'll see in the first couple of weeks what this offense is all about and if it's still a Keller Moore type of influence or if it's still, if it's something different or if it's a Mike McCarthy offense that isn't working or, you know, best case scenario, it's a McCarthy type offense that really is working and they get this thing humming and they get another receiver in here for Prescott to throw to and, then the question then shifts to, you know, sustaining that offense throughout the course of a long season, which is something that they haven't really done. That's the other thing with Kellen Moore going is what's the running back situation going to look like? Because at least when Mike McCarthy was in charge in Green Bay, you didn't have strong running backs. I know Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, they were there for the last two seasons before Mike McCarthy left, but in terms of using significant capital at running back, wasn't really there. I mean, you had James Starks come on. Uh, They got Eddie Lacy, I think, with a second-round pick um, in 2013. But otherwise, you just didn't have, you know, spending – uh, capital on running backs with extensions like you had with Ezekiel Elliott or just even with Ezekiel Elliott taking him in the first round. So with Mike McCarthy, if he's really in control, I wonder if they're going to uh, go cheap at running back now. The Packers never finished higher than 12th in the NFL in rushing attempts throughout the season when McCarthy was play call there and that season they finished 12th they went eight and seven and here's a little foreshadowing maybe or call it whatever you want but they lost the 49ers in the wild card round so the team the Cowboys are trying to get over the hump against uh, you know when the Packers were at the most run heavy they clashed heads with them in the playoffs and it didn't go to Packers way so yeah running back I think you are going to see more of an emphasis on you know using that as a check down valve using that as that option like I said, replace the curl routes that don't give Prescott many options to throw to when, when a play breaks down and when it's covered with kind of those quick, more swing pass type looks um, under McCarthy. And that just begs to keep Tony Pollard and 
got him more involved, like we saw in the Vikings game, would be a perfect example of, you know, peak Tony Pollard. I think you can see more of that. So, yeah, I do think it's time for a shift, that, you know, with what this team does not running back. And Ezekiel Elliott just meant so much to him. And that was another condition that McCarthy had coming in as far as, you know, commitment to the run game. And he even carried that all the way through this season. They talked so much about the run game. So they're not going to get away from it. But it was a commitment this year because of where the cap space and the resources were. And those things change so quickly in the NFL. You know that, you know, as well as anybody, as far as where your resources are and where you, you can allocate and change. And so it was running back this year, but it could just as easily be receiver this year, you know, this upcoming year, which is more of a point of emphasis for a McCarthy offense and already a spot that we need to talk about them adding talent on that because it was the talk of really two straight off seasons now and they haven't done enough there. So you better believe McCarthy is going to, you know, finally change that if the burden of play calling falls on him now. And then finally, as we shift to Kellen, you know, back to Kellen Moore, uh, do you think that he should have taken those jobs in retrospect? One of them that was really on his radar was the Boise State job. And now it just kind of looks like a mistake that he didn't follow through with that and, and go back home and be a legend, and then everybody's thinking about, oh, well, they let Kellen Moore get away, or, well, it you know, really shows uh, about Kellen Moore, doesn't it? It's a good thing they let him go. But it feels like it would have had a happier ending if he would have chosen that Boise State job rather than continue on with the Cowboys till they mutually decided you go in another direction. Yeah, it's hard to go from, you know, coaching in every primetime game and every game that has the most views every week in the NFL, though, to, you know, 11 p.m. Eastern on the CBS Sports Network of Boise State, though, right? Right, but that's where he's from, though, and, and he's a hero in Idaho, though. So it'd be like if you went back to New Jersey and won the competitive pork roll sandwich competition. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is the high I would ride for the rest of my life, no doubt. Um you know, look, it would have been a good fit for more, I think. I the recruiting side of things was an issue, I think, when once those conversations were really taking place. That was kind of what I was hearing in terms of just the chatter around whether or not he'd be a good candidate to go to the college head coaching ranks as far as can he be that recruiter and get talent in here. And, you know, the college game is so much trending towards kind of big, you know, personality-type coaches. And, of course, what Deion Sanders is about to do at Colorado and those types of things are big and college football right now so I don't know where more would fit in that of course Boise State doesn't really expect to play at the same level as a you know a Georgia and Alabama or anything like that so for what they're looking for a hometown legend type of player former player like Moore really could have been good but I do think he has a future in the NFL I think you know the Cowboys name carries enough of a name for him where other teams are just going to look at that and they're going to look at what Prescott has done the last couple of years under him and say, yeah, there's something here and, you know, we, we have a use for him. Even if it's not as far up as the offensive play caller and OC, it could be, you know, a quarterback coach type of role or offensive analyst. I think he'll hang around the NFL and, you know, we'll still t- be talking about him on Sundays. Yeah, I think if he could get in a situation, to me, there's no difference between Kellen Moore and Nathaniel Hackett, okay? Because Nathaniel Hackett, he was with Buffalo from 2013 to 2014. He had that real good season with Blake Bortles in 2017 when he was in Jacksonville from 2016 to 2018. 
Then he worked with Aaron Rodgers, 2019 to 2021, parlayed that into the Broncos' coaching job this past season. So I think if Kellen Moore just gets in the building at a really competitive organization that's actually focused on football and not also, you know, drama and entertainment the way the Cowboys are, I think that he could rejuvenate, revitalize his career and, you know, get back in the conversation as a potential head coach. Anissa reports that the Bucks are going to show some interest in with all the changes they've had on the offensive staff. Of course, the biggest concern in Tampa is whether or not they're going to get Tom Brady back or whether or not they even should, you know, necessarily want Brady back just based on some of his finally declining play and the way the Cowboys are able to knock him out of the playoffs that way. So some rumors that it could be Tampa, which if it is Tampa and Brady comes back, which are both huge ifs, then, you know, that's just fascinating to think that Kel Moore could go from, you know, the, the punchline to every Cowboys fan's joke and getting all this criticism warranted or not to turning around and being well-respected enough by another organization to be an offensive coach under Tom Brady. So, you know, we'll just see how much the, the rest of the NFL can kind of reassure the Cowboys. I think that's what they've been waiting for these past couple of days before they announced this move was, you know, they were kind of just waiting on someone else to reassure them that they had something better than what they had in Kellamore. You know, if Kellamore could come back to the star and say, oh, I had an offer to go be the head coach of the Panthers or the Vikings or which he previously interviewed for last offseason, then the Cowboys could be reassured, okay, we do have a, a good offensive coordinator. The rest of the league sees that too because they really want him, just like they want defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. But those things weren't happening, and so good on the Cowboys for not overvaluing someone that really they only see the most value in anyway, at least at the moment for Kellamore, and you know, making the right decision to uh, try to get better on offense. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here. And before we do... Let's look at some Cowboys birthdays this week. On Monday, Malik Turner played receiver from 20 to 2021. At least the Broncos didn't have a blueprint out for him in 2021 when he, the only reason why they didn't get shut out. He turns 27 years old. On Tuesday, Orlando Skandrick played cornerback from 08 to 2017. He turns 38 years old on Saturday, C.J. Goodwin, the special teamer, uh, the favorite of John Fossil, uh, technically a cornerback. He's been with the team. Not to be confused with Chris Gunn. Yeah, yeah. He's been with the team since 2018. He turns 33 years old. And then on Sunday, both Roger Staubach and Craig Morton, who both were embroiled in a quarterback controversy in the 1971 season that ended with them winning their first Super Bowl, Super Bowl VI. Uh, they both have birthdays that day on February 5th. Staubach turns 81. Craig Morton turns 80. So I think that's funny that those two guys who were in a quarterback controversy were both born on the same day. Of course, Staubach was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Craig Morton was born in Flint, Michigan. So you even have that little... Um, rivalry going there too that's crazy yeah i did not know that but i always look forward to you know seeing the birthday list and what we can make of it and yeah, that's probably one of the best examples we've had of just you know something that really fits uh, you know how the cowboys had that qb competition between two qbs born in you know rival states for college football but 
on the same day. And I know I'm a weak toner. You just knew the receiver situation was go, was getting desperate when, you know, it was like newsworthy when he got away, right? Like when, when Malik Turner signed up the Cardinals, I think it was like a practice squad signing at that. It was like, oh, that would have been kind of nice to have him. You know, we could use some help over here. So it was pretty de- desperate times as a receiver when we were trying to praise, you know, Malik Turner to be something that he really hasn't proven elsewhere that he can be just yet. But he did make that play against the Broncos. And, you know, he's a type of receiver that I think we could see more of in McCarthy's offense when it comes to kind of that, uh, you know, middle of the field target kind of slant route, quick inside route type of uh, type of body receivers. So, you know, we could see more of those types of players. But, you know, Malik Turner will be fondly remembered for that play in the Broncos game. Yeah, I would expect the receiving gore to get a little more uh, firepower with Mike McCarthy. Because that was the thing with Mike McCarthy in Green Bay anyway. Um, at least when they won the Super Bowl, you had – James Jones, you had Craig Jennings, you had Donald Driver, even though he's an old man, but he's still at him. Um, Jordy Nelson, you had a just stacked receiving core, and I, I, I would think that they would return to that in some measure this year, even if they have to draft the guy in the first round, let alone sign him in free agency, which... Good luck with that, with uh, your paltry cap space. And the slot receiver position specifically was always such a point of emphasis for McCarthy's offenses in Green Bay, which is great news for CDIM. That's, of course, where he was at his best this season, but you just didn't have enough on the outside to consistently, you know, either play him now or get production from him now because of not having that threat to spread the ball elsewhere. So if you do want to see more CDIM in the slot, which I think McCarthy will, you know, he needs to uh, certainly upgrade the talent that they have besides T.Y. Hill and Michael Gallup on the outside. Yes, and I can't wait to get into more of that next week on the Hidden Yardage podcast with you, Sean. You can follow Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL. You can follow me, Mark Lane, at The Real Mark Lane on Twitter. Subscribe to the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Uh, you've been listening to the Hidden Yardage podcast, so there it is. Yeah.